I'm Maxwell Griffin, and this is Your Black Friend, a podcast for folks who may not have black friends but want to learn about what it means to be black in the U.S. Every episode, I'll invite one of my black friends on, and we'll answer anonymous questions people have about being black. So if you don't have a black friend, then my black friend is now your black friend. Your black friend today is a very good friend and former neighbor, Tony Kroll. Some colleagues and I used to play soccer during our lunch break back in the day. That's where I first met this amazing personality. I was new to this company, and Tony really made me feel welcome from day one. He's for real one of those people I could have sworn I met a long, long time ago. Coming all the way from Douglas, Georgia, Tony currently resides in the great Pacific Northwest, where he leads a digital sales team at Adidas. So, let's welcome Tony. Tony, welcome to Your Black Friend. I'm, I'm excited to have you on. I'm your black friend, and I'm excited to be on here as well. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's, this is crazy, because with the, with the pandemic, I feel like, I mean, we live right down the street from each other, and it was one day I was in Portland, and it felt like the next day I bounced, and now I'm, I'm out of town and moved away. So it's, it feels like it's been a minute. I mean, it's an understatement, my friend, but, you know, it's a, it's a greener pasture sometimes on the other side, so super happy for you. Um, glad we're still interacting, and, uh, you know, we got to continue to empower and uplift each other, so. I feel it. Let's let's get into some of these questions. Uh, we talked about this a little bit. Um, I always like to tell people um, these, these questions were submitted anonymously. Um, <laughs> And have had some fantastic conversations already, so let's let's get into them. What do you like and hate most about being black? I, I laughed, and you did give a nice disclaimer. Uh, and I thought, frankly, I have some answers, but it wouldn't be as fun if without me talking to other people that I respect and enjoy and ask them the same question. And we'll uh, we'll just start with like, and actually, it's not even like. It's like, what do I love about being black? So I'm a, I'm gonna rattle off a few things. So you're saying you crowdsourced this? Quite possibly, yes. If, if that's the correct term, Max, yes, then that's what I did. Yeah, so uh, one of them is the creativity of our people. You know, we're always making a dollar out of 15 cents. I love our confidence and how other races watch what we do. The strength to overcome constant hurdles. I mean, examples of racism, police brutality, unfair job opportunities, and ability to still keep striving when we're at a disadvantage. Um, there's one. Another one uh, that I love is, uh, and this one, if you're black, you know it. I love that no matter where in America I am, I can give the head nod and the other person knows what to do. Hey, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. That, that one came up a lot. Um, <laughs> I love that there's this uh, unspoken code in the workplace where you can give your black coworker a look and they can tell right off the bat how your day is going with the microaggressions. <laughs> so on that, that same note of like how, how knowing the microaggression that, that look in itself can also help you convey to another black person when to shut up or speak or speak up in that same moment. I ain't going to say it completely, but I love that. I can say the N word and my white friends can't. <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, uh, another one 
I love that I can get into a conversation with any black person about The Last Dragon. I mean, Le- Leroy was a punk, but fuck show now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, was, what, what, which ones were, were hitting, hitting the most home with you when, uh, when you got this here, here, crowdsourcing? Uh, here, here's one for you. I love that by default, everyone thinks that we're athletic. You do you know how many times I've uh, got asked? Oh, when do you play basketball or football? It's like I did neither. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's kind of racist, but all right. <laughs> like, uh, uh, here's one that I really loved. I love being black because black folks don't sugarcoat shit, especially old black people. They'll just tell you like it is. Whether you gain weight, you got an ugly baby, or just plain fucked up, they're gonna let you know. <laughs> I love being black because I can switch up my look and hairstyles so often. I can be five different people in the month. I can have braids. I can have wigs. I can have natural hair. I can have a silk press. And it's all amazing. We set the bar high in fashion. We are trendsetters. And I couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. So uh, I just love being black. You know, those are some examples of why I love being black. But um, yeah, how could you not? Exactly. Well, that's the thing. And that's what I love the the only emphasis on loving because I feel like in any situation, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think anyone should hate anything about themselves. And that's, that's not just with black people, but with anybody. So that's, <laughs> that's yeah. how I feel. We, I'm going to straight up say we are not entertaining any discussion around hating being black or hating anything. I'm about positivity. So, you know, that's exactly. what I, I'd like to put out into the world and hope that that, you know, continues to like spread to other individuals as well. So, yeah, I think it's just like, it, it's, I mean, it's unfortunate that people could think that way and that it's, uh, that we would hate hate something about ourselves but uh i would say yeah there's nothing that i hate it's just unfortunate that other pe- people think a certain way yeah i all i can do is be the best version of myself be a good human and hope that that translates across other people's perspectives and perceptions exactly um yeah, and I just yeah there shouldn't be any differentiators or like or black is not normal or that this and that I'll, I'll say, I don't know, this might be on a tangent, but <laughs> what, really the way, brother. My ge- what really does grind my gears, Tony, um, is when people put identifiers on diverse groups of people or like minority groups where it's like, <laughs> if sometimes I've heard, I've heard people say like, for instance, Oh yeah, so I was I was in the line at the grocery store behind this black guy. And then I went to the cashier and the cashier took forever. And then I'm like, whoa, wait, can we back up? Why, what's, why is there a descriptor? Why do you, why is it, why do you have to mention that as a black guy? Or like, why, why does there have to be a racial identifier if there's no relevance to the story? Yeah, I was just going to ask always, you. That one always gets me. I was literally going to ask <laughs> where, you. Where, where people are, where people are telling stories like, yeah, 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 I was at the park and there's a, yeah, there's this, this woman, Asian woman. Um, and then, and then they go on with the story, but it's like, well, what does it matter to the story that, they were black or they were Asian or Latino or I don't know. I tangent, but no, they ain't a tangent, bro. I'm, I'm over here. Like, what was the purpose of that adjective right then? Like we were all, yeah. we were all taught for like, what? <laughs> like, 
Okay, so what what about the black guy? Help me understand what you were trying to tell. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm still I'm still waiting on the part where the black guy comes back in the story. Let's let's hear about that. All right. So this next one: How can we get more black people into the outdoors, like climbing, hiking, surfing, biking, those those kind of things? My initial response to that is invite them. No different than like I. I, I I, honestly, that's just my bothering to me. But um, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, invite them. Uh, second, there are black people doing those things. You know that, right? You can follow that on social media. I mean, Facebook is like highlighting groups like this, like like it's their job. So, um, or connect with people that do do those things, right? So, I mean, I'll, I'll use an example of outdoors. I mean, one person I think of uh, is is Aaron Robinson. Um, who is an outdoor advocate uh, in Portland, uh, has a podcast as well, uh, named Open in Presence. Look at that. Nice, subtle plug to help out other black people. You see there? Um, He's an individual that, like, I connect with. Um, I don't actually do any of those things, so let me just say that first and foremost. But I'm aware of individuals that participate in those spaces and try and connect them with other people Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that that community continues to grow and support each other. But uh, the assumption that, like, there's no black people doing those things is ignorant. Plain and simple. Yeah. Do you know, black, is, do you know black people crazy. that snowboard? Here, here's an example. I do. Exactly. <laughs> well, but the, here's the crazy thing is even, I mean, for me, when I was younger, I mean, I did actually, because I don't know about you, if you like camped or, or fished or any of that when you were younger, because I definitely did not. And when I got when I was invited by some of my white friends to go like camping or fishing, um, I didn't see, I mean, I didn't see, and this is back before social media, internet. And this is like when I was a kid. So I didn't see anyone out there other than white people. So when I grew up, I, I always thought of outdoorsy things, quote unquote, outdoorsy things as, as white people activities, because it's like when there's no representation, when you get out there, like I'm going out fishing with my white friend and I'm, and every time I do this or go camping, or whatever, there's never a black person. Then I'm always like, well, the, of course these are white people things like <laughs> because I never see any black people. So I always thought like this has to be for white people. That, that's um, so fair. I think it's that, that representation piece that's, that's missing. Like you said, my challenge to that. And then it's not really a challenge, but like a observation to that is like, were they just taking your places where there were only other white people? fair because uh, example and not that example but an example from my lens is again i said i grew up in the south like i spent time down there i'll use actually i'll give you another example you know todd todd's from georgia (laughs) most people don't know this and well i'm not going to plug his name too much because i don't need his instagram and i like getting killed but like todd for for the listeners todd is another black friend todd is a black friend a very talented creative black friend who uh fishes hunts nose country traditionally people based off of the statement earlier you think that you know that's only white people do that and, and to be clear i've hunted i grew up fishing those are outdoor activities those are also relevant to the geographical space that you grew up in right so it the assumption again that like we don't do those things is it, it's it's naive to some extent maybe ignorant too um the other aspect of that is if you, Max, I know you're from California, right? So like, 
of course, I probably could understand why you probably wouldn't see that as relevant <laughs> as I would in my area where I grew up, right? So it's just it's yep. just the awareness of like people's backgrounds and not backgrounds like like backgrounds like financial backgrounds, but just truly understanding like the geography of where people come from and what's uh, what's probably more relevant. I did I see black people uh, surfing in Georgia? No. Did you see black people surfing in California? Mm-hmm. Probably. Maybe not mm-hmm. a ton, but you did. Right. So it's, you know, it's just that, it's that context that I think sometimes we, or perspective that we don't, uh, we don't necessarily take into account or we think what our bubble is, is the world. And guess what? Like the world's bigger than our damn bubble. Yeah. And that's, a, I mean, that's a good point. It's like just because in, a moment or in an area you don't see any black people it, it doesn't mean they're not out there doing these same same type of things and it's uh, so i just moved to minnesota and i uh <laughs> i <laughs> i discovered my love for cross country skiing this, you you might laugh but cross country skiing is like my new winter activity i i don't say that i'm good at it by any means uh but cross country skiing is my new thing and i'm like i get out to minnesota and just out of curiosity, I'm like, I wonder if there's any like clubs I can join or something. I mean, when, when it gets to the normal times. Um, and it's cool because you discover so many black organizations specifically for like snowboarding and cross country skiing that, that are in Minneapolis that like, there's a lot of them actually. And then just kind of from there spiraling into so many organizations and, and people doing amazing things for getting black people outdoors uh, and i i'm not sure i mean it just needs to continue to be highlighted because again it's the representation piece is huge like when you can see other people on social media or on uh on tv and movies and all these things and in advertising just being represented in the outdoor space i feel like that goes so so far yeah i so back to that original part of the conversation right like the assumption was First of all, I've been cross country skiing and it's amazing. So let me just say, kudos. You can hey, do that can consistently. When you visit me, we can go. We can go. Somewhere. I'm game, bro. I, I mean, I don't own any skis, but like, let me. I, I actually got a text from a, a buddy of ours uh, that's out, super outdoorsy. They're an outdoorsy couple, and they took us. I'm gonna go on the tangent for a hot second, but they took us to Alaska, and I was like, Alaska? Why did I go to Alaska? They're like, come on, man, it'd be amazing. What they didn't know is I've been to Alaska before. My family goes fishing up in Alaska every year. So again, black people fishing, we do that. Like my dad, my uncle, my grandfather, yep. they've been doing this for like 15 years. So I've been up in that area and done that. It's great experience. Not cheap, but still a great experience. That being said, <laughs> my buddies are like, yo, let's go up here and do this. So they're like, we're going to go dog sledding. <laughs> dog sledding. I can't believe I did that, but we did it. Um, <laughs> dog sledding, cross-country skiing, snowshoeing. I mean, all that shit that you do in Alaska because geographically that makes sense, right? So we did it. Yep. That dude sent me a text yesterday, and it was like three years ago. We were And we saw the Northern Lights. I didn't even know what the Northern Lights was at that point, which is crazy because it's amazing. Um he sent us a text and then he sent a picture of the Northern Lights. He's like, three years ago today, this is where we were at. And I was like, holy shit, that's amazing. Now we're fast forward a day later. I'm talking to Max about cross-country skiing and knowing that there's <laughs> a plethora of <laughs> minorities doing outdoor activities, which are geographically relevant. It's that simple. I mean, I think REI, 
uh, they do a highlight of black people outdoor program in their social um, yeah. that I saw like I think I saw this like a year or two ago where I was like oh that's dope mm-hmm. like I don't I ain't into hiking and all that stuff but I do know people who do and, and props yeah. you know like if you got the space well, then- to do it do it Exactly. And let me just run you through. I'm, I, I want to plug some of these who, that I found just like in my searches since, since I've been to Minnesota that are nationwide where I'm stumbling upon organizations like Outdoor Empowered Network, HBCUs Outside, which HBCUs Outside is an interesting one because they're, uh, they really, um, try to elevate the social media narratives in the outdoor space. So they're doing a lot to get, especially, um, the the black uh the black uh people in college programs at hbcus into the outdoors yeah. as well which they're doing dope stuff and outdoor afro melanin base camp black girls trekking this is a la based one black girls trekking is dope like, i've been following them for a year and a half through an, a sister that worked with us in our prior lives it, they're dope hella dope yeah and it's just, and that among many others. And yeah, I need, I need to do, do more, uh, do more research on black girls trekking because that's my, my stomping grounds. And that's again, it's an LA, it's an LA assumption that a lot of the inner city black kids, I mean, just don't get out and get out to nature and get outdoors. So, well, a part of that too is opportunity, right? Like, I think that's mm-hmm. a disconnect and I'll do a shameless plug on my side as well. Like my dad is a big fisherman or uh, was, I probably still is to some extent, but my, my grandparents, like they did because we were poor. We couldn't do a lot of stuff. So like their way of like getting out <laughs> as crazy as that sounds was like literally getting outside and, you know, catching fish, which was paying groceries without going to the store. Right. So like, that that type of experience became a regular um uh, it became a regular like cadence for things my dad and my grandparents just did and then as my dad got older that was like something he got really into his friends so my dad had larger background worked at the pentagon met some other black guys there obviously wasn't a ton of black people at that time there brought had such a good relationship with them he brought them to the northwest to visit cuz none of these cats from the south or you know northeast had ever mm-hmm. been far far west they come out they see it they they you know spend a week they're like this is amazing like how do we get out here you know they all get out of the military the service whatever whatever branch that they were in at the time and they they all like live out here in the northwest now which is crazy to me but that is they build families they now fish together and it's like a normal thing to them now but when like the stories when you're sitting around playing dominoes which black people love to do you know, they're talking about like that first or second, third time of like experiencing outdoors because at that moment they didn't get those opportunities. Not because I don't even know why. I mean, I, I think some of it is because if you're from the hood, man, like the likelihood of you getting 60 miles out to go outdoors is probably pretty fucking tough. Mm-hmm. Like we're being real, right? You know, so the, those. Well, and, and especially, I mean, in LA specifically, it's so spread out out there where it's like if you're talking about inner city and you're trying to go to like big bear or or some of these mountainous areas it's like it's a that's a trek no pun intended it's a trek yeah (laughs) and who's taking you like let's be real exactly who's taking you what are you wearing like i'll use the snowboard example because we know someone that snowboards that's black yeah and you know i'm not gonna drop all these names on people right now but like <laughs> you know different folks right so that I'm, like i know another brother that's from portland 
that was originally from L.A., got out of L.A. because of some bad stuff that was happening down there in the gang scene. And this family was like, we got to get them out or else it's going to be bad, right? So moves to Portland, waits until he's like 15 years old. You know, he's got mixed friends or a mixed group of friends, and they take him snowboarding. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. He literally was up on Mount Hood in jeans and like a sweater. And they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, he's Bro, I don't know, like, but loves it. Like, this dude's like a, <laughs> like a, like diehard snowboarder now. Snowboarder, mountain biker. That's amazing. I mean, he's like, he's in it all. Like, he's all of it and, and really good at all that stuff. And he tells me the story. He said, man, I hit the snow so much. I could see the, like, the, the dye off my jeans rubbing in the snow when I was falling. And he said, no joke. Some older white lady walked up to him and grabbed him and was like, I appreciate what you're trying to accomplish. We can't do this. And she carried him into a store and bought his full set for him and was like, I want you to enjoy this experience to the, like the level that you deserve for like, putting yourself out there. And he was like, yeah. after that moment, he was like, bro, I'm hooked. And that's what he does. I mean, that's not what he does, but like, that's one of those moments where people get connected to, uh, those types of experiences where they like, get builds some camaraderie with other individuals that you can relate to, um, to continue to educate. You know, I, I, my plug is my dad from the fishing piece had bought some property up, up there in Washington and our, mm-hmm. our like vision of what we're doing there to some extent is like, how do we take kids from Portland that honestly have never been in the outdoors to give them that experience to see that and, and realize that that's something they could do. One of the guys, this is a tangent for sure, but one of the guys uh, came and helped us cut down trees mm-hmm. and all black guys. So it's five black people here. One guy starts cutting down the trees and I'm like, where do you get all these chainsaws? He's like, I'm a, that's what I do for a load. I'm like, are you the only one? Cause I ain't never seen this shit before. And he's like, bro, there aren't many. I'm like, where are you from? He's like, I'm originally from Connecticut. I learned how to do it in Vermont. I had a great time in Vermont, but I always wanted to come out West. My, my family said you would like it out West. I came out West. I'm a firefighter and a tree cutter. He's like, that's what I do now. And I was like, this is going to sound crazy to you. And this, he's 24. So like he's young. Mm-hmm. He's got so much, so much runway ahead of him. I'm like, I don't know how to figure this out, but I've got to get you in front of kids because I need kids to see that they can be those people too. Because we don't see that. Hey, that's amazing. I love that. Like he's 24 max. Like it's so far ahead. I'm like, bro, you, I can talk about it. You can talk about it. But like to see someone like, bro, at that, that age that's been doing it. And he's a master at that. Like watching him, I was like. Shit, I would have wanted to be a firefighter if I'd have saw this kid when I was like right? 12. <laughs> like, sell shoes? I don't want those shoes. I'm, I'm the new Smokey the Bear. Like, let's go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's powerful. And it's and it's it's to your first point where he's just like invite and like invite people. I think that's a that's a huge, such a basic idea, but it's the power of of that action by both white and black people to just get more people outdoors. Yeah, you should just, I mean, in general, inviting, okay, first and foremost, obviously invite is a very simple concept. I think even the invitation of it is like a great gesture, but like when you invite someone, you should set them up successfully to enjoy the experience. Like let, let's not, yep. let's not miss that because that could completely derail, you know, I can't swim very well, but you take me to the ocean and then get out in the water and damn near drowned. Guess what? I don't want to go to the ocean anymore. 
Like that's very simple concept. So it's like, okay, if I'm going to take you outdoors, outdoors and we're going to do acts, like make sure you have the right equipment, make sure they have the right clothes. If they don't, how do we help them rent it? Or do we have extras that we can pass along that they can like get the gain that experience and then figure out like, Hey, I want to try that again. Or uh, I can do that every now and then. But like, that's not like, that may not be the one thing that I want to do, but that, you know, the outdoors are amazing because there's just so much to do. Exactly. I don't like bikes, but like I'm impressed by people on their mountain bikes and trekking through some shit. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I'll stick to a hike here and there. Technically, an outdoors for me is golf, and I golf, so <laughs> that's my hike. <laughs> yeah. Like, damn, you're leaving. Yeah, you're leaving me with some powerful um, takeaways as well. I mean that what I mean those experiences and those those. uh I don't know, just the, the stories that you hear like that of of the guy who's a firefighter and trying to get more people out there. And then these organizations that I'm running into about getting more exposure and getting more representation. I love seeing that. We're, it gives me goosebumps. And we're well, glad to hear that. I mean, we're here. We ain't going nowhere. We're, we're everywhere, you know? Like, who are we fool with this? There's plenty of us doing plenty of great things. The reality is, like, how are we socializing and bringing visibility to that? An example being, like, you're creating a great podcast. I named Aaron. He's got a podcast. You know Brandon Williams. he got a great podcast. How are we, like, highlighting and ensuring that we're connecting our individuals or our people across those things? All of your podcasts are completely different concepts. So let me be very clear about that. But there's still mm-hmm. black excellence and black creatives trying to bring exposure and awareness on behalf of other black people, for black people and other minorities, right? It, it's important for us to, like, invite everyone to a table. It's, it's important for us to, like, if the table's not large enough, go get a bigger table so we can all sit there and engage and learn and be educated. Actually, outdoors for me, wine tasting. I love it. And you probably already know that. Can like, you plug? Can you plug? Can you plug that black-owned winery that you were telling yeah, me? Yeah, I'm. A, and you know, I'm gonna plug three of them for you, just because I feel like. <laughs> Even better, I love it. Because you know, in the world, there's this sometimes this association that there is only one, and that's. I'm done with that fallacy. Exactly. All right. Let's so hear we ain't playing that game while Tony's on the call. So, um, in Oregon. <laughs> There's Abbey Creek in Portland, Oregon. They have a tasting room in downtown Portland. It's been open for the last seven seven months, roughly speaking. Uh, dope spot, great guy. He was the first he first black owned uh, vineyard in Oregon. Period. So he's he's been grinding, bringing it to life. His name's Bertoni. Um, so if you haven't checked it out, Abbey Creek. That's A B B E Y Creek. You know how to spell Creek. So. Um, that's the Oregon one. There's a, there's actually a, a black owned. There's a first female black owned uh, vineyard in in Oregon. She's based out of Astoria. Her name is Eunice, uh, and that's E U N I C E. And I feel terrible right now because I can't remember the name of the actual winery. But you can find it. It's pretty easy to like uh, Google her. Uh, the mm-hmm. the other one. So and funny enough, because I was talking to a younger uh, a younger colleague today who we meet monthly and. The running joke is I provide him with wine recommendations as he's trying to get caught up into that space as a young black male trying to like try some different things and get, and he's from Kansas, right? So he's trying to understand like, how do I like separate myself? I shouldn't say separate myself, but like, you know, up a level, up a level myself in areas that I care about. 
Um, There's McBride Sisters, which is the largest black distribution uh, of wine in North America. And they're, excuse the pun, but they're sisters that are really sisters, if you know what I mean. Um, Mm -hmm. one of the sisters, great story, backstory. One of the sisters, uh, grew up in, in Sonoma County or right around there, I think. Um, and the other sister grew up in New Zealand in wine country and they didn't know they were sisters and they crossed paths and then decided like they both loved, they were both in the wine area, but they weren't committed yet. And when they met each other, they doubled down and now they have the largest damn distribution of like black owned wine in the country which is amazing. So McBride, MC Bride, you know, like you're getting married sisters. Um, they are actually, you can catch them at Target. You can catch them in uh, Trader Joe's and a couple other places. You can also go to their website and order from there, which is what I did. I got that plug from a sister that we work with who was highlighting other black entrepreneurs, which is amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, my pinnacle of black excellence is the oldest first black owned vineyard in Napa Valley, which is Brown. Um, and that's not within the, at the end, like legitimately like Brown. Um, they're the, the pinnacle of what Ziffendels are. Um, they, my dad and family for my 30th wanted to take me to like, check this place out. And I had been wine tasting. So let me be very clear to a bunch of places. Mm-hmm. I've never had such like top notch experience on so many levels of detail until I went there. And you can't just go there on top of that, like reservation and, and most places are reservation, but like you gotta be a member and be connected to someone. It's, it's one of those type of experiences where like, it's where you see all black excellence going through. It's amazing. Well, I hope listeners are writing this down. I know I'm writing this down and your boy's about to go to target right now to, to check out. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah. So the plug target. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, you like that? No, I, this is amazing because I'm, I'm happy you plug more than one because again, like you said, there's, there's always more than one. There's t- uh, so many and so many levels you mean, uh, of us. And, and again, we're a diaspora, right? So there's, there's different, um, varieties of appreciation um that we can offer and embrace so um yeah i I hate the just there can be only one like thought process is so so silly to me Uh, i'm 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 with you i'm with you now so i do i i do like to leave conversations with i mean this was this is in any situation in just any like meaningful conversation or even in work meetings i like to leave meetings or conversations with takeaways like what did i take away so i mean what can listeners take away from this conversation and and start putting into the world as soon as today if if uh, that's what they're searching for yeah and uh, i know you already share some good recommendations on on plugging a lot of a lot of uh, good establishments but what else anything else that you can add to that? i mean as much as we're different we're similar and to be honest embrace it on so many levels, like just embrace it. If you don't understand, ask the question, invite them to the table to have the discussion and acknowledge what you don't know. That disarms any type of negativity or, uh, yeah, I would just say any negativity or apprehension to like us being better and, and not just black people, but people in general, right? Like if we're willing to like have that type of discussion and, and build upon that, like it, it's amazing. You learn shit, you know? I'm trying to be better. Hell, I didn't think I would drink wine 
eight years ago, and now I'm I'm the guy t- trying to convince other people to drink wine. They're like, well, <laughs> you see LeBron and Carmelo and Chris Paul are talking about it. They they doing it like, yeah, this ain't no secret. Like, right? You could you could do this and do other. That actually that's the thing. You can do more than one thing. You can ski and you can play basketball. You can swim and you can drink wine. You could be a homeowner and re- and own a business. You know, like you can you can do more. So it's just like you know, life is a precious gift that we all have. So you know, take advantage of it and 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 enjoy all of it that's around you, whether or not it's something yep. that you're gonna always do. But if you have the moment, like soak in the moment. That was more than one. Sorry, I got on a tangent. No, that was that was amazing, Tony. It is always a pleasure when we're when we're talking. Sorry, I had to bounce out of Portland so quick, but you you know. Hey, you know I'm happy I'm, for you. Still, I'm still around. If anything we learn now, you can connect with anyone. So just because I can't physically see you as frequently as I I have, doesn't mean I can't stay connected to you. One million percent. Well, let's end on that. Let's end on that positivity, and then continue to bring it out in the world. Yes, sir. It, it has been a pleasure, my friend. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, thank you. I'm your host, Maxwell Griffin. Our development producer is Priscilla Alibi. Our producer is Teddy Grant. Please join us next time.